0: Hello, and welcome back to Chirps, the St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I am Tara, formerly Wellman, now Nichols, joined by Alex Crisofoli, and it has been a minute, so we're trying to remember how to do this. In fact, it's been since October since we did a show, and I forgot how to introduce this show entirely. So, Alex, I'm just going to say hello, how are you, and how has your off-season been, and we'll go from there.
1: (laughs) Well, well. First, what episode number is this? What what episode number are we on? That's a great
0: question. I I think it's one twenty four.
1: Okay. I was sort of thinking
0: maybe we just decide that it's like episode one of the season and start over (laughs) because uh, I think it's episode one twenty four or one twenty five. But that's a little a little bit of an estimate.
1: (laughs) Well, to answer your question, I'd like to say I'm doing well, but my favorite college basketball team the fighting Illini, play tonight in the NCAA tournament. And so I am a ball of nerves. And when people hear this tomorrow uh, or whenever they hear it, it will likely be after the game has occurred. So they will be able to laugh at me for saying, ha ha, that was all for naught or ha ha ha, your team just lost.
0: Being married now to a very big Illini basketball fan. I, I feel this. I feel this emotion very deeply. So okay. I'm, I'm with you, Alex.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you probably know then we are a, uh, we're wound tight. <laughs> the the Illini fan bunch, I think that's fair to say. We um, I hesitate to say this on a Cardinals podcast, Tara, but I've reached the point where I think I would trade four or five Cardinals World Series for one Fighting Illini Basketball Championship. And I say this not just for me, <laughs> because I, I do really want to see it happen. And there's a good chance that it will never happen. And, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll live with that. But I also say this for my fellow fans who really need it. <laughs> it would do us all a lot of good.
0: It's a frustrating path to follow, I will say, because having now watched more so this season than last Illini Basketball, there are a lot of moments where you kind of just go. That should not have gone that way. There's there's no reason that should have gone.
1: Tara, I've way. had a lifetime. I've had a <laughs> lifetime of those moments.
0: I'm I'm beginning to understand much more deeply. <laughs> um, as we were filling out brackets for my husband's work uh, pool for the the bracket challenge, we were both going. Look, Illinois should win this game, and they should win the next game. They should be competitive against a team like Arizona, but we've also seen them lose games they had no business losing. (laughs) So what do you do with them? Um, So, yes, I I, uh, completely understand now more than I ever did before (laughs) the uh, agony and yet constant commitment to a team that... um, that th- seems to always find a new way to let you down. Although I do live in Iowa, and uh, after oh, Iowa geez. lost in the first round, um, <laughs> you know a lot of people feeling that pain as well today.
1: <laughs> well, I-, I will say, if if my beloved Illinois are to lose tonight, heaven forbid! I mean, please, 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 please do not let that happen. But if it were to happen, this tournament would not be remembered for that when it comes to upsets, and would be remembered for Kentucky losing to a college that I kind of had only barely heard of until last night. So I have that going for me. It will not
0: be the worst loss of the tournament by far. That is, that is very, at at least you have that. And I, I would also like to just say for the record, Alex, uh, as a now split household Mm -hmm. with sports loyalties, I appreciate that. You also understand the, uh, the, the plight, the experience, (laughs) The uh, sort of external pressure to somehow change that when we both know that that's not going to happen in terms of Cardinals fans and Cubs fans uh, occupying the same space and getting along just fine, except for when other people think that it should be a problem.
1: Well, by saying uh, split loyalties, obviously, what you meant is you're a Cardinals fan and your husband is a Cubs fan. And I Correct. I can relate because I'm a Cardinals fan and my wife is, a, is from Chicago, is a Cubs fan. And people have asked me before, like. How does that even work? And I'll tell you how it works, or at least how it works with us. It works with us because she is not at all petty or insane about this stuff like I am. <laughs> if the if the Cardinals are doing well, she's like, hey, cool, your team is doing well. If the Cubs are doing well, I'm a jerk about it. So... <laughs> It helps have one person who's a bigger person than the other in the uh, in the mix.
0: Good to know. We'll uh, we'll ma- try to make sure that we have um, a manageable dynamic on our end for that as well. I will say it it seems to work okay for us until the success or failure of one team directly impacts the success or failure of the other team. Then it gets a little weird.
1: Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I was was just about to say another comment about that, but I forgot what it was. So since this is a Cardinals podcast, if if we should just move along and actually talk about this team um, now that baseball actually exists. You know, so we we touched base a couple weeks ago and we both were like, no, we're not going to do a show until there's actually spring training on the table, which is not only on the table. Like the Cardinals have a game today. Right. Or something like that. Correct.
0: Yeah. 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 It's actually happening, which is one of the strange things about the way this all came together. And I got to be honest, Alex, when we had that conversation, I did not expect to be doing a podcast right now. (laughs) I, I fully anticipated that this lockout was going to extend deeper into the spring, perhaps regular season, all of those things, because that's what it looked like it was heading towards. So to not only have spring training action happening, but to be Talking on a day where there's an actual spring training game going on feels uh, like a like a significant alteration to the the path we were on. And I know, as we've talked in years past, spring training is not really your thing; <laughs> don't really care about it. But as we had talked before we even started recording today, uh, this entire off was kind of just not like I admittedly, I could not convince myself to care that much about what was going on. And look, we've talked before that, you know, I think it is really important that there is an appropriate dynamic between ownership and and players. And there are so many things that are are more significant than just the actual X's and O's of baseball that go into that. And I I fully understand that and, and support that and wanted to see good change happen in the conversations and the negotiations that were there. But... Convincing myself to care about every single little detail and every single day of the process, I I couldn't do it this time around. And it did, to some degree, impact my excitement about the season overall. And I don't know if that's something that is just a natural byproduct of the frustrations of a lockout or of you know whatever. I'm sure that has something to do with it. But I don't know, Alex, are you as excited now that there is baseball truly back that we can see it. It's out on the field as you normally would be this time of year, spring training notwithstanding.
1: <laughs> um, I don't think I'm 100% as excited as I would be in a normal offseason, but I'm close to being there. I'm probably 85 to 90% there. I, I think what we missed this offseason and what baseball, at least for me, and I, I don't know if other fans just feel this way, but I, I certainly think people who really, really like baseball, like we do, feel this way. Is you have excitement, or at least you used to have excitement in December with the winter meetings when there was a lot of stuff going on. And you know, that that has kind of trended a bit differently in, in recent years, but that was still a very exciting time. And then kind of once I, I know, and believe me, n- no one feels this way more than I do. Like after the Super Bowl and everyone's tweeting like it's baseball season, blah blah. Um <laughs> uh I find those to be annoying, but there is something to the fact that like when you hit a certain point, whether it's March first or whatever, we were like, "Wow, a month from now, I'm going to be able to watch baseball every day." And so there's that really fun anticipation leading up to the season that I've always really enjoyed. You know, I'm reading the baseball prospectus annual. I'm, you know, who knows what. I, I feel as though this year we were kind of robbed of that. Uh, you know, there's nothing to feel optimistic about. Uh, about and there's nothing to feel excited about because we weren't even sure if there was going to be a season. Like you, I didn't think we'd be talking this soon either. I, I'm glad we are. I, I, I'm glad they're able to get a full season in. Like baseball, just feels weird to me if they don't play 162 games, and I'm not able to conceptualize like certain stats with that amount of games and everything. So that was certainly a bummer. Um I don't know. L- like like let's say it had been a lot worse and there hadn't been a season at all, or at least hadn't been severely delayed. I, I would have been bummed. I don't think I. it would have really hit me how awful it would be to like June or July when like, when like mm-hmm. every yeah. other sport is over all this. And then, <laughs> you know, July, you really need baseball in July. Yep. Um and, and in fact, I don't think we've ever had a July without baseball. Even in 94, they didn't go on strike till the beginning of August. And, you know, 95, they they figured something out and they were able to squeeze in 144 games that year. If I recall in the COVID season, did they start playing? They were playing by July or was it, or were they playing by August? When, oh, I man. guess August. The timeline right?
0: of that year is so I know, it's, blurred it's, to me. It's nuts, <laughs> I'd right? have to go back um, and look at the calendar. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right. So, so maybe we have had baseball. Uh, maybe we have had July's without baseball in our lifetimes, but for the most part, you know, th- that's when you really lean on the sport. Because, uh, one, that's when things are really starting to take shape. But two, it's also the only game in town. So had July rolled around, and obviously this is not happening, but had July rolled around and there was no baseball, (laughs) that would have been pretty awful.
0: I believe by the end of July there was baseball in 2020, but not at the beginning. Just had to clear that up in my own brain because that was a bit muddy (laughs) in the memory banks there. But, yeah, I agree. You know, it's... Look, as much as I found myself disinterested in some of the details over this offseason, I still found myself thinking, man, I really hope we get to watch baseball this summer. So I'm glad it's back. Uh, I find myself, quite honestly, every day since the contract and negotiations and everything was finished and finalized and put behind us, I find myself going, oh, yeah that's a thing that happened. Oh yeah. That's a guy that's on the team. Oh yeah. I just today went, Oh wait, Skip Schumacher is, <laughs> is on the coaching staff for this team. now. So all of these things that kind of came up in that, the beginning part of that winter, you know, cycle where you get some news and you update on things. Of course, our last show was right after the bombshell Mike Schilt news. And so we didn't even really get a, uh, a winter to digest and to learn about and to hear news and to get updates from what that new coaching staff was going to look like. Ollie Marmol, of course, at the helm, Skip Schumacher coming back to St. Louis, all of those things, lots of pieces to that. And I feel like right now, Alex, it's almost like a reintroduction to who is even on this team right now. And, you know, then figuring out what to expect. Is there anything in the last few days that has been maybe the biggest surprise or kind of <laughs> uh, reintroduction to something with this team heading into a new season?
1: Not really. Uh, in fact, I would say there's been nothing surprising about <laughs> uh, the Cardinals um, relative inactivity. And, and I don't even necessarily mean that as a, as a criticism one, because there's still time for them to perhaps add a starting pitcher Um And two, I don't know how much they need. I I do think they need more um, depth in pitching. Um, And and I probably would have said that before the Jack Flaherty news. Um, But I still don't know uh, exactly where they need to improve this team the most outside of pitching. So... Until something happens there, I really don't have much to say about the the minor moves they have made, like the Corey Dickerson, which hey seems seems like a fine move. Um, that's like probably going to be a 300 plate appearance guy, uh, and you hope he um, was hitting like he was. And I guess what 2019 when he was a pretty decent hitter, as he has been for most of his career, because like you 2020 just throws so much out of whack. Like, well, he stunk <laughs> yeah. in 2020, or or did he, I don't remember, but. Even if he did, what does it matter? <laughs> like 2020 is such a weird season to try to analyze that you almost want to memory hole it and pretend it didn't happen. Um, so I, I don't quite know what to feel about this team, but I, I do know a couple things that I think are worth mentioning. Um, the first is that, and I say this with 100% certainty, at no point during the season is this team going to win 17 games in a row. <laughs> I say with almost 95% certainty, at no point in this season is the team probably going to win 10 games in a row, which is what made last September so amazing and ridiculous and historic. Like that will not happen again, most likely in our lifetimes. And I bring that up because for once, or at least for once in the last seven or eight years, I would like the Cardinals to kind of get out of the gate where... In July, we're not just completely miserable and just like (laughs) upset and feeling like we're not where we should be. It would be nice if like by the end of May, this team is 10 games above 500 or something like that instead of the usual one or two games above 500 or or whatever it is. They haven't had a start like that where you felt good about them almost out of the gate since probably 2015. Now... Probably not coincidentally, that was the last really, really, really good Cardinals team. But I would like to see them not make us just be miserable for the first four months of the season and then have to rely on winning a a crazy amount of games in the final six weeks. Um, And because of that, I think that's why it is frustrating to see them again like, yeah, Pakoda has them winning like 81 games. Do I think they're only going to win 81 games? Of course not. I think they're going to outperform that. But you know what? I would like to see Pakoda pick them to win. I'd like to see them have a roster that Pakoda says that's an 87-88 win roster. And we outperform that by a lot. It is frustrating to see in a division in which the Pirates Reds live and the Cubs. I'm still not quite sure what I think about the Cubs, but i I know how I feel about the Reds and Pirates, as I'm sure you do. It's frustrating to live in that division and not feel as though, like, all right, this team is is primed to take this division. I don't expect them, and I don't think any reasonable fan should ever expect them to compile a roster like the Dodgers, right? L- like, And you would have to really be on the far end of the, of that spectrum to really think like, yes, the Cardinals should have a a roster that mirrors the Dodgers. But I do think it's reasonable to, for them to construct a roster where you don't feel as though they're playing to get in the playoffs. You feel as though they're absolutely playing to win the division.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think two things in light of all of that, the idea that, you know, we would like to not by the middle of May, or June be thinking, this team is just barely going to make it. If they don't do something, they're just content with mediocrity. I think some of that relates directly to this similar idea of, hey, well, maybe, maybe try to get ahead of that instead of waiting to see if it's going to collapse in on you and then maybe make a move here or there. I think that's why a move like Corey Dickerson doesn't really inspire a lot of people even though it's not a bad move, it's not a bad addition, it's not bad depth to have. And it may end up being what looks like a really smart decision, but it doesn't feel like it's the kind of decision that moves the needle enough to say, all right, this is the team that at the start of the year is the clear favorite in a division that there's room for someone to be a clear favorite if they make one or two needle moving kind of changes to that roster. Now, I think the pitching puzzle is something that definitely has to be figured out, especially with the news of some ongoing or new or lingering injuries, particularly with shoulders. That's always a big concern to me because shoulders are complicated. So that all has to be part of the conversation long term. But just in this this very basic sense of <sighs> should we or can we expect the Cardinals to do something that they don't really do? <laughs> Probably not. Right. But that could then lead to the same sort of scenario where you have a team that doesn't really take off until well after the All-Star break. And by then you're kind of like, well, if if we take off, it's because we got hot, not necessarily because this is a sustainable way to play the game based on the roster that we have. Maybe Ollie Marmol and Skip Schumacher are uh, the X factor in all of this, and they can get this same roster to play at a different capacity and we'll we'll see how that goes but it feels like asking this team to be something that like you said they're not that they haven't been that they're not going to be to go out and do something extraordinary (laughs) shocking if you will when they're just not going to be that team in a lot of ways
1: yes so I, i was thinking about this earlier today um when thinking about Jack Flaherty and saying he's seeking a second opinion. And obviously Cardinals fans are rightfully very concerned about that. It is worth noting that he only pitched 78 innings last year. And correct me if I'm wrong. Did he throw a single pitch during the 17 game winning streak? I don't know if he did. I should know this by the way. don't
0: think so.
1: I might have to go back and look at that. But the point is, they can obviously win without him as they showed last year. That said, you know, I said like with 100% certainty, this isn't happening again, referring to the 17 game winning streak. I won't say this with hundred percent certainty, but here's what I also don't think is going to happen again. I don't think Adam Wainwright is going to throw more than 200 innings and have an mm-hmm. ERA near three. If he does, I-, I think we can start having legitimate. Is this guy a hall of famer conversations yeah. about him? Uh, so yeah. hopefully he does. That would be awesome. But that would be a, a very silly thing to count on. And, you know, because because we're talking about shoulders and because shoulders are never... Pitchers should just not... I, I would I would like to draft pitchers that don't have shoulders.
0: Uh, <laughs> it seems like it would be less complicated. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, but let's say worst case scenario, we don't have Flaherty. I mean, then we're looking at, I guess, some combination of Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Dakota Hudson... Jake Woodford, Matthew Libertor. You know, it's it's just nothing you feel very – nothing that screams stability. And Jack Flaherty is not 1999 Pedro Martinez. You know, Jack Jack Flaherty is by no means one of the best pitcher in baseball. He had a flash of that in 2019 where he showed he was certainly one of the best pitchers in baseball. But we're not sure if that is – Reflective of who he actually is, or if who he has been outside of that second half of 2019 is more reflective of who he is. What we do know is he's a good pitcher and he's someone who would certainly be the one or two guy in this rotation. So picking up the slack for those missed innings, if those do in fact turn out to be missed innings, would be nice. Certainly to reach that goal I said of like, hey, Let's not be one game over under 500 entering the All-Star break and everyone (laughs) knowing we have to go on some crazy run in August and September, which they always, to their credit, they always seem to find a way to do it. Um, I don't know if that was a Mike Schilt thing or...
0: But you know, I would love for that crazy run in September to actually be a crazy run through October. Like if you can save the crazy run, not to get to the postseason, but to get through the postseason, that would be a lot more fun. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know what? I would not trade that 17-game winning streak for for much because that was so much fun. Yeah. It, It saved the season, and like I said, it's nothing that we'd ever seen before and probably will not see again. But what would also be helpful would be would have them like kind of scatter out some of those wins over the first couple yeah. months so like we're not having to sweat um you know I, I love a dramatic ending but it's also nice not to feel nervous for the first four months of the season too yeah um, And so now that i've seen this 17 game win streak completely salvage a season and just bring everyone together uh Within a span of like three weeks, where we were miserable before. I mean, do you remember? Now it's like, look, all I want out of this team is just finish above five hundred and ahead of the Cubs, <laughs> and like I'll be happy. Yeah, I think
0: at one point it was just don't lose the season series to the Pirates. I think that was <laughs> the low bar of the season at one point.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it. If your season has been relegated to concentrating on the season series with the Pirates, then you know you're <laughs> not in. You know you're not where you're supposed to be. Um, and then obviously that win streak happens and everything changes. I've seen it. It was awesome, but it would be great to, uh, yeah, I, like that game five against Atlanta uh, back in 2019 where they just scored ten yep. runs in the first inning. Do the and season they never
0: scored again?
1: <laughs> Do the season version of that. Like, like (laughs) score your 10, like like, have your 10 run first inning be, have that be your April where you just get off to like this crazy hot start and like everyone can breathe and be rational. Um, Yeah. We're, uh you know, and, and maybe this is my fault for being on Twitter, but you know, you when the Cardinals aren't playing where we think they should be playing, it's a, what would you call it when you log on to Twitter and you see some of those tweets that are filling up your feed? It's, it's not the most fun place to be
0: it's a place I try to avoid yeah. <laughs> entirely, uh you know, for my own sanity because yeah, look when you're a fan of anything, it d- defies some rationality in 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 large part, and I, we all have those moments where even in terms of who they should be signing or who they should be adding to the team or who they should be trading for, or you know whatever it is um how much money they should be spending. We all have opinions about all of those things, but it it would look, they say in a clubhouse that winning solves a lot of problems. (laughs) Same is true on Twitter (laughs) and in, you know, just in, in regular conversation about uh, something that you, that you care about winning baseball makes it a lot more fun <laughs> makes it a lot less uh stressful like watching the Illini play basketball to tie it back in twitter to the is opening our conversation yes twitter yeah, is our
1: yeah we don't want out, we don't want outsiders um you know coming in <laughs> coming in that space for for many reasons right you know, that, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that that is our club <laughs> let me ask you a question i can tell and I've also I also just know this just because you've said it in the group chat or whatever that you're not as excited as you could be should be. Will that change once Wainwright and Melina take the field together um, as battery mates and they they keep compiling on that on that number they have and start passing people? I mean, they for all intents and purposes should. Be second when it's when it's all said and done um because i'm looking very much forward to that and i i know i just saw a, a tweet from jeff jones i think it was from jeff jones that said wainwright will be reporting on i'm not wainwright yadi will be reporting to camp on monday because there was a little kind of uncertainty of, of what was going on there but it sounds like hopefully it's all fine and good um because that's going to have me pretty excited uh and in a vacuum when that's happening, I'm going to be right where I need to be when it comes to my relationship with baseball in spite of the owners and in spite of the expanded playoffs, which if you listen to me, you know, I'm annoying about how much I hate that. So (laughs) how do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the one thing that is always there is that those moments in baseball, especially with something like a, a Wainwright and Molina career path, um, you know, we've talked since we started doing this show, gosh, four seasons ago, whatever it was, is this the last of Adam Wainwright? Is this the last time we see? Is this his last season? And so to have some clarity on what that picture looks like now, of course, you know, nothing is written in stone. Everything is changeable at this point for them. But I think Adam Wainwright has been pretty clear about what he wants out of baseball one more year. And we'll see if if Molina sticks to that as well, he's a bit more uh, of an enigma in terms of what he wants his legacy to look like at the end, or if he'll be able to walk away from baseball the same way with that same clarity. But yeah, one thing that is a constant, especially with guys like that is that is that they're such a part of kind of core baseball memories for me that it will be exciting every time we get to see them, especially if maybe Adam Wainwright doesn't put together the same season that he did last year, but You know, as long as there is a level of success there, it's going to continue to be incredible to watch him at this stage of his career, at this point, you know, just physically with everything he's gone through to get back to a place of this kind of success. And just knowing the respect he has within the game and the way that people, um, kind of learn from him on and off the field and that he has that mentality going into how he even sees baseball. There's so much wrapped up in the idea of Adam Wainwright pitching to Yadier Molina for the St. Louis Cardinals that it will be impossible to not get excited about those games, regardless of anything else. And those are the kinds of things that, yeah, once we start seeing that, (laughs) once there is, uh, you know, Once there's conversation to be had about the remarkable things in the game, one of the things that you mentioned that that 17 game winning streak, one of the things that is so cool about baseball is that we've talked about this before, too any given day, you could see something that's never happened before. (laughs) And that's pretty cool. And it's a lot of fun to get a chance to watch that and to see it over the course of so many years and to feel somewhat connected to it in whatever way. Um, Yeah. As much as the sort of apathy towards baseball for the last several months has been lingering a bit (laughs) for me. I think once it's just back to baseball again, it'll be easy for me to fall back into um, kind of the emotion of the moment and the the just pure baseball joy of watching this game that we love and the people that we've come to in some strange way feel connected to. And I'm definitely looking forward to that for sure.
1: I just realized while you were talking when I was rattling off the starting projected starting pitchers earlier, I totally forgot to mention Stephen Matz, which um, shows you how, you know, again, like you said, like the things that happened before um, the, the work stoppage uh, almost did kind of get memory-old. Um, yeah. <laughs> even though, now that I do remember Steven Matz, I don't think that changes the calculus of what was said about starting pitching, given all the unknowns that still exist atop the... Uh, rotation or, or some of them are known. And we, what we know is not good, <laughs> I <Right>. guess, or <laughs> we're not promising, I guess it'd be a better thing to say. Um, yeah. I feel the same way, uh, obviously about Wainwright and Molina. And it, it's funny. I hate to keep harping back on that 17 game win streak last season, but it was so remarkable. So many things happened during that, that I just forgot because it was such a crazy run. Like for instance, did, did Wainwright's Maddox against the Pirates, was that during the 17-game win streak? I don't remember. I feel like maybe it was right before, but I might have to look it up. I want to say it
0: was right before.
1: Okay. But like when Lars Newbar robbed that home run against the, <laughs> uh, was that the Mets? Was that against the Mets? I'm trying to remember who that was against. Um, Gosh. Yeah. And then the, the four-game sweep of the Brewers in Milwaukee, uh, with one of those games just being an outright crazy comeback. Uh, yeah. What a yeah. ride
0: that was. Yeah, man, that was fun.
1: It was fun. Um, and then yeah. it came to a quick end in Los right. Angeles, as, which is what can happen <laughs> when you don't win your division. And then yeah. a week later, we were all shocked to find that they had a, or were going to be looking for a new manager. Um.
0: And I'll be honest, that's one of the things that does intrigue me about this season is what is going to be different? Is it going to be noticeable? We've already heard Marmol talking about we're not going to name an outright closer at this point because what if we need the best pitcher available in the seventh inning versus the ninth inning? And that's something that we've harped on for a long time, back to even the Mike Matheny era, right, of saying, hey, uh, maybe being so tied to these particular roles or this tradition perspective on how to use guys is actually not the most effective way to do things. And whether that was a significant piece of the dismissal of Mike Schilt or not, it's something that we're very clearly hearing already just a few days into spring training, as well as things that kind of allow for some roster flexibility and i don't mean flexibility in sort of that <laughs> negative sense that we've seen at the last few years where it's like wow they, they they can play any position it's fine uh but instead rather some sort of kind of the idea of flexibility that allows you to play matchups if necessary but not to an extreme or to you know we can hope to see some of those things play out as well and of course alex not to not to get too far off track, but the DH is a part of the Mm -hmm. picture this year, and it will be interesting to see how it's used. I was having this conversation uh, with my Cubs fan husband the other day about how National League teams still are going to be strategizing a bit about how to use that role because it seems like it may not be sort of the traditional power hitter American League DH, at least for now, because of the way that teams are built and the the pieces that they already have in place. So it'll be interesting to see Marmol take that on and see how he works guys in and out of that role. And if that's the kind of flexibility that then becomes a thing. So the addition, or I, I guess the change of leadership is definitely something that I'm I'm curious about. And I know when we talked last October, right after the Mike Schilt dismissal, part of that conversation was, it's a big deal who you hire next, because if it's more of the same, there's going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot easier to criticize the front office to criticize John Mozeliak for saying, hey, maybe it's your direction and your philosophy that's the problem and not the leadership on the field. Um, we're already hearing some differences, but I'm very intrigued to see how that plays out in real time. And of course, we won't get a great picture of that with spring training games that um, don't really tell us a whole lot. But I'm, I'm excited about that part because it's new and it's interesting and hopefully hopefully moving in the right direction.
1: I'm very excited for Ollie Marmel. I I've always liked kind of the vibe he brings to the dugout and maybe that vibe will change now that he's sitting in the first chair. I certainly liked the quote that was floating around the other day him saying, we're not going to just name a closer because sometimes games are won in the seventh inning and that's when you want to have your best pitcher on the mound. Uh, but I will also say it's very easy to say those things. Um, before Matheny managed a single game, he was being lauded. I remember this article on fan graphs about how, um, analytic friendly he was and, and all this stuff. So like no one gets better press usually than a manager or a coach or whoever who hasn't actually had to manage or coach yet. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I do think there is something about once you get in that seat and you have the pressure and all this, that you, people do kind of tighten up and and rely on certain things um whether that be like look i think this is my best pitcher i want to save him for the, no-. you know hopefully that's not the case here but we've seen it happen time and time again with certainly smart baseball men or at least somewhat smart baseball men that i kind of have a i will uh, believe it when i see it approach yeah. uh that said i yeah i'm still very excited about ollie marmel for uh a whole slew of reasons. Um regarding the DH, I'll say that I, I agree with what you said. Like, you know, hitters like David Ortiz or Edgar Martinez are so rare that y- you just don't see guys like that filling that role. You know, it's still helpful to have guys on your team who are gonna mostly DH but who can also play the field when need to. Um, you didn't have to worry about that with David Ortiz because he was such a good hitter that you didn't care if he couldn't play anywhere. Um, But most people don't hit like David Ortiz. So (laughs) right. Like the trend seems to be almost now more like DH by committee and kind of putting people, you know, putting pieces in certain places where that current need is for that day. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, Hopefully it gives us a chance to see a player like uh, Gorman uh, earlier than perhaps we would have. Again, the DH is something that I, in theory, do not love, but I'm gonna quickly forget that it's. Um, you know, we're all gonna learn to live with it very quickly, and it'll be, it'll be fine. Um, the American and National League are just slowly merging into the same thing. Have you know? You know, like soon yeah. there's just gonna be no difference between the between the two. I forget who made. Uh, I don't know if it was on uh, Meet Me at Mutual with Ben Godar or another podcast where someone made the comparison that with the scheduling and kind of like the rule changes, uh, or at least the scheduling they have mapped out for the future that it's kind of turning into like the NBA where, where like you play everybody um, even though you still play the teams on your side of the river more often than the others. Um, but it's, it's going to, the schedule and the season's going to kind of more mirror what they do there, which, you know, as someone who kind of likes the difference between the two leagues, uh, that's kind of a bummer, but again, like, there's no use in fighting these battles now. They're not, you know, the w- once the river flows that way, it's not reversing <laughs> course. So
0: there are there are much uh, more dramatic things I think on the table at this point than uh, than those sorts of things. Like, you know, a ghost win in the playoffs because that's a thing that was apparently <laughs> apparently discussed. Well, um, ghost
1: runner is back on the table. I, I saw yeah, earlier. I was so
0: excited to not have the ghost runner well, but
1: you know. I, I don't love the way and, and Grant I know we're dealing with a different situation because of the, the lockout and stuff but I, I never love the way that they're like still litigating this stuff when they're supposed to be taking the field to play in a couple of yeah. weeks uh, it'd be nice to have that stuff kind of nailed down
0: I think it would be nice from a, a an ownership perspective from a management perspective on the field and in the in the front office to just kind of like know what you're supposed to be building (laughs) instead of having it continue to shift. I feel like that might be helpful, but you know,
1: it's not like someone's going to construct their roster differently. If there is the ghost runner on second, like, but, but still, it's just nice to know, (laughs) Um, you you know, when they had the COVID season and we all kind of uh, gave them a pass because it was the COVID season. It was literally the night before the game. uh, Before opening day, when they announced major rule changes, which... was that the seven whatever they were, it may have been the seven inning double headers or what, I don't quite remember. Um,
0: and I think wasn't it even at last season where there was still this sort of ambiguity around whether or not the DH was going to be in place again. And it was like, in that case, sure, it yeah. has an impact on how you construct a roster if you have a DH or you don't. And yeah, so it's it's strange that it's like, all right, we have reached an agreement on all these details, but also we're going to keep trying to change them. <laughs> it's just very functionally strange i think but you know that's that's for all the legal folk to decide um and not me so <laughs> glad they can handle it uh alex one thing that um we haven't done in a very long time because we haven't done the show in a very long time is get a chirp of the week from you so are we back to that level of preparedness because um you know, it can be our spring training too. <laughs> We're still adjusting. <laughs> but if you have a trip of the week, I certainly do not want to deny our loyal listeners uh, the the pleasure in our first week back.
1: Well, as you know, I always, I always hesitate to use the word preparedness when it comes to me in this show. <laughs> um, that said, I, I do have a trip of the week uh, for, people, for people who have listened to this podcast and they know or probably know that the trip of the week sometimes is... Um, very cool fun fact. Um sometimes it can be something that uh the idea is for it to be like moving or meaningful. I know after um the show we did after Bob Gibson passed, I read some of my favorite passages about Bob Gibson. Um sometimes it's just about like what's going on with the team right now, and like I know when they went on the big win streak last year, I talked about winning streaks of the past. Um and sometimes it's just completely meaningless info that you absolutely do not need.
0: My personal favorites.
1: Okay. Well, then you're going <laughs> to like this one. All right. Because the one I have for today very much falls into that last category. The current year is 2022. Uh, so naturally, I wanted to look at Cardinal seasons that ended in the year two. So all right, 2012, 2002, 1992, you get the idea. Um And I started at 1902 and went up to 2012, since 2022 has not occurred yet. That accounts for 12 seasons. In those 12 seasons, the Cardinals have won 989 games and they have lost 880. So they are 109 games over 500. If you want to average that out, that comes to 82 and 73 per season. obviously that doesn't quite add up to 162. You might ask what's going on there. Well, obviously they used to play 154 games and you know, back in 1902, they only played like 130. So that's kind of why that's slightly out of whack, but I'll tell you some more fun facts about years that end in two, two world series titles in such years, 1982 and 1942 when the team went 106 and 48, perhaps the best Cardinals team of all time. Uh, And if, you want to do other sort of math in your head, you will say, well, let's see, 1982 was 40 years ago and 1942 was 40 years before that. So this must be the year if there we're is. on this sort of 40-year, uh, uh, you know, World Series thing, this will be the year they'll win a World Series title. Now, they did not win a World Series in 1902, so we'd have to assume this 40-year thing began in 1942 and went on for right, there. Right. Um, but whatever. Uh, so, <laughs> I will also say, and maybe it's because I was alive in 1982, but it caught me off guard when I realized the same amount of time has passed from now to 1982, as had passed from 1982 to 1942.
0: Um, (laughs) I can see that. uh, I can uh, see that feeling a bit bit of a shock.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it was a shock to the system. Um, The Cardinals have not had a losing season in a season that ended in two since 1972, when they went seventy-five and eighty-one, uh, so not since in our lifetime, not once in our lifetime, had the Cardinals had a losing season and a season that ended in two. And uh, before that, not since nineteen thirty-two, uh, so not even in our par- wow. in our parents' lifetimes, they've only had one losing season um, in a season that ended in two. Other notable facts about seasons that end in two, four playoff years, uh, 2012, uh, you know, they went 88 and 74 and were one game away from another pennant until they blew that 3-1 lead uh, to the uh, Giants, uh, which there's no need to talk about that because that was miserable. Uh, In 2002, they went 97 and and 65. And that was the season they went to the uh, NLCS, lost to the Giants. Um, 1982, obviously they won the World Series, uh, beat the Brewers, and in 1942 they also won the World Series. And there you go that that about tells you what you need to know. You know, on the one hand you can look and say, all right, this should be good because as I mentioned earlier, over those 12 seasons the Cardinals are 109 games over 500 in seasons that end with two, so that's a good omen for this year. But I think when you're talking about a franchise like the Cardinals, I think you could take almost any year and you'd probably find that, um, let's say it's years that end in seven or years that end in three, that they're probably close to 100 games over 500 uh, in those years because the Cardinals, as most people know, have been a very successful franchise. So I don't know how much out of the norm, in the norm this is, but because it's 2022, because I needed something to talk about at the end of the show, that's what we're getting today. (laughs) And so, and because yeah,
0: have- most of the winter was um, a total shutdown of baseball <laughs> news, so this is this is where we're going to start. And hey, I think starting by saying this is the year in the forty-year cycle to win the World Series is a good place to be at the beginning of a new season of the show. So I will take that and run with it for sure. I,
1: I totally agree. Totally agree. It's, it's nice to be back. I'll say that. That's the last thing I'm going to say. It, it's nice. I, it, it was. It was nice having a you know a little vacation. Yeah. You know, n- not having to carve out time to do this. In fact, speaking, are, are we? I don't know if we need to talk about this on air, but we're on air for so nice we'll Talk. Are we going to do this every Tuesday still, or what's the plan?
0: I think that's a, today's
1: Friday, Tara.
0: It today is Friday. Yeah, we which don't is interesting. on Friday. We don't. I I think we may have to figure out we'll what figure actually it. works. What works best yeah. going into the season? Because you're right. Uh, I think I think the last couple of years, the the way that life has been, yeah, <laughs> trying to do this kind of baseball thing has made it, um, It's it ha- it was nice to have a little bit of a break to just kind of, okay, step yeah. back, you,
1: you know figure what stuff thinking? out. You, you know what I was thinking would be helpful is if uh, one of us lost our jobs. And then we have, <laughs> well, preferably you. Know <laughs> you, preferably you. <laughs> uh, well, here's the well, thing. If, with one job, everyone... you can find time. Two jobs, uh, it, it's, right. it's been tough.
0: If everyone who listens to this wants to um, just like pay me full time to do this show, um, then we could do it regularly and probably do more cool stuff. But uh, until all of the dozens of people listening (laughs) want to, uh, you know. Support me full time in this. Um, I think we're going to have to, you know, work around a few things here and there schedule wise, but we'll figure it out because it is good to be back. It's good to be back chatting and sharing and discussing baseball that hopefully is less complicated than it has been in the last couple of years in terms of how to feel good about it um, so hopefully we can go on that stretch this year and enjoy the the Ollie Marmol era and perhaps the last of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina among other things so Alex thanks for finding time today even though it is Friday which is weird and we'll figure out the next available matching schedule slot for the both of us to do the next show as well
1: I have one more thing to say okay go Lino <laughs>
0: There it is. And with that, we will close this Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. For Alex, I'm Tara. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you again, hopefully, very
1: soon.